Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> Hallelujah. Before I preach the message, I would like to read the promise of God. I like the promise of God because it's something that we hang on to walk in this life. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, the promises of God talk about people who fear God and honor God. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear, which means the reverence fear, of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. This is a promise of God. When we fear God, when we reverence God, that fear, the fear of God will keep us from sinning. So we need to hang on to the fear of God all the days of our life. Whatever we say, whatever we do, we want to please God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for teaching your word today. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit, for the revelation, the light, and the understanding that you will give to our spirit today, Lord. May the teaching today be the revelation, the life-changing power that we will never be the same. We will put this into practice and we will see the result, we will see the blessing, and we will see that you are still alive and we can impact a lot of people around us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Today, I would like to teach the Word of God more than preaching the Word of God. And it's worthwhile, it's really beneficial as a believer to continue to read the Word, to study the Word, to receive the anointed teaching, to listen to it, and also to feed God's truth into our spirit. Feeding upon the truth of God make a big difference. I'm that kind of man from the first day I became a believer. I love the Word of God. I stick to the Word of God. Anything out of the Word of God, I don't want it. I just want to stay in the Word of God. And many Christians around the world are easily misled or deceived because they are ignorant of the Word of God. Even believers who have been Christian for 20 years can be misled by false teaching or wrong idea in this world. Therefore, we need to really stick to the Word and teach the principle of the Word of God. The more we know the Word, the more we practice the Word, the more we believe, and the more we hang on to the Word of God, the more victory we will have and the more successful we will become as well. You notice that when the devil tries to attack Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus fights back with the word, it is written. Jesus just quotes the Bible all the time, even though Satan quotes the Bible, but twisted the Bible in another way. But Jesus also said, it is written. Therefore, today, we're going to learn more of the word of God. And I want to encourage you, we have so much material out there, the MP3 at the table. 
Please take advantage of it. Listen all day long. You will be stronger. You're going to see miracle in your life because faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And if you want to be strong in faith, you need to hear the word and you need to practice the word of God. No excuses when you go to the throne room of God that day. That oh, I don't know. You don't have excuses because you have the Bible to read. You have the smartphone to. Look into the Bible, and you have the free teaching in this church, free of charge, that you can listen all kinds of lesson. So please, in your lifetime, in our lifetime, we will continue to read the Word because we don't know everything in the Word yet. We continue to learn, to feed upon the Word, and grow in the truth of God. In Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Bible says, "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." Many people think that they are waiting for God for to do something for them, but actually, in the opposite way. God has done everything for us. He is waiting for us to do something, and one thing that God is waiting for us to do is repentance. Some of us may get into trouble, and we keep crying to God, "God, help me!" And God say, "I already help you. You need to do your part. You need to repent." Many people misunderstand that it's God's will for people to perish, to get destroyed. Many believers even think that God sent typhoon or tornado and to all this calamity to kill people. No, it's not God's will for anyone, even one person, to perish. Not even one. God wants everyone to be strong, to be fruitful, to be victorious, to do well. And what is the opposite to perishing? What is the opposite? How can we get out from perishing? The Bible say clearly. He say, "But all should come to repentance." The word repentance is a good word. Is the way out from destruction and perishing, and all kind of failure in life, all the problem in life. If you repent, you're gonna get victory. I believe that if A church set up a seminar, maybe a healing seminar, a dream seminar, prophetic seminar, prosperity seminar, signs and wonders seminar. The whole room going to be packed. But if we have a seminar called seminar on repentance, all the members and guests will say, "I'm too busy. I'm not going to be there. I have things to do. I don't want to hear the word repentance." But actually, after you listen to this series of teaching. You will like the word repentance more. You will love it because repentance is the key to victory. Is the way out from calamity. Amen. Second Timothy chapter two verse twenty four, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, and patient. My dear brother and sister, the Bible talk about no quarreling, no strife. The strife in any home and in any church is the manifest presence of the devil. Any time you see strife in the home, 
fight in the church is the manifest presence of the devil, because the manifest presence of God is peace, joy, love, and unity. Any time a group of people come together in a community or in a marriage or in a home, there will be always some disagreement. Pastor Dan and I have different ideas too. We have some disagreement, but do we need to fight? Do we need to raise voice? Do we need to yell? You know, sometimes people respond to the situation the way they grow up with. Some of us grow up in the family that we hear yelling and screaming all the time. Because they, we hear the screaming and yelling all the time, we think that it's okay to yell and scream and get mad and throw stuff around. My dear brother and sister, that is not the will of God. God say no quarreling, no strife. We are Christian now. We should act like Jesus Christ. We should not yell and scream. We should walk in love, by faith, in peace. We are the peacemaker. We are not there to quarrel with anybody. We can disagree, but we can still smile and say hi and love one another. I just met the biggest uh, pastor or the head of the all-Christian community in Thailand. We had dinner together. He says so many things that I don't agree in the theology, but I just still smile. I didn't argue with him. I did not want to fight with him because I respect his belief, and I, you, he needs to respect my belief too. But I know that what I believe is working. That's all I count. It's in the Bible. So we respect each other. We don't need to have a strife on that dining table and say, oh, your doctrine is wrong. My doctrine is right. We don't have to fight at all. We need to be calm, gentle, and become patient. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.25, the Bible continues to say, in humility, patient and humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. The Bible says repentance is the gift from God. God shine the light into somebody who is living in sin or who is going the wrong direction. And then the light come up and say, yes, I know now I'm wrong. It's the gift from God. Make them wake up. Sometimes it can be a gentle way, wake up by coming to the church and the preacher preaching. And you say, yes, I need to repent. But sometimes it can be a wake-up call, big spank, get into trouble. And then they wake up. So repentance is a gift from God. Let me read from NIV, New International Version. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. God wants to chide the truth in, wake up and repent. And that day will come to their senses. Many of us are walking in darkness. We walk out of the light. We do wrong things without knowing it. We are ignorant. We are in the dark. And God shines the light in, and when we get it, we come to our senses that this is wrong and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. 
my dear brother and sister, the devil is real, and one of the way he tried to destroy us, he come to kill, to steal, and to destroy, is to put us in bondage, in false teaching. He mislead us into the wrong direction, and we think it's right. Sometimes people do think that they think it's right, but it's wrong in the eyes of God. That's why God want to shine the light of the truth into our life, so that we will wake up and know, wow. This is wrong. I remember one time I got touched by the fire of God, lying on the floor. God touched me, and then suddenly God shined the light into me. Because before that incident, I thought that the church belonged to me. I plant churches around the world, and I believe that the church is mine, so I can control it and I can be the boss of those churches. And that day, when the light of God shined upon me, He said, "Son." The churches belong to me, not to you. You are just my servant, and I repent right away. I say, God, I'm sorry. I have misunderstanding because I learned from somebody else that I can control the church. And after that day, I repented and things changed because God shined the light. I come to my senses that even though I have the right heart, even though I mean well, but I have a wrong idea. My head was wrong. My heart is right, but my head is corrupted. So God need to show me that I was corrupted in my head. So you see, God want to get us out of the trap of the enemy. He want to put the chain, the bondage, and He want to put us in the trap so that we can be destroyed one day. God want us to set us free, to be free from those bondage, free from the trap of the enemy. He give us a wake up call, and when we Come to our senses. We say, God, I agree with you. I repent of my wrong thinking, of my wrong doing. Lord, I will change. I change my mind. Amen. So God has the way to wake us up. So help us to come to our senses. This week we're going to look at the Second Corinthians, and next week we're going to look at the First Corinthians. The Book of Corinthians. The two books, the first epistles and the second epistles, were written by the apostle Paul to correct the problem in the church at Corinth. We're going to learn from his writing. How many people believe that the writings in the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit? How many people believe that? How many people believe that whatever Paul wrote in the Bible was from God, was inspired by the Spirit of God? Okay, so Paul wrote to the brother and sister in Corinth. The church in Corinth, and now we need to understand the book of Corinth, the first and the second Corinthian, were not written to the non-believers. They were written to the believers. How many people are believers in this room? Okay, so we need to understand these are for you, not for the outside the world. This is for the believers. Both epistle, and God inspired Paul to write to them to correct them, to reprove them, and to instruct them. The way of God. This week we're going to look in the Second Corinthians first. We're going to go to the end of the picture and then go back to First Corinthians. The Second Corinthians that Paul wrote today that I'm going to read is connected to in to the First Corinthians. But this is what he say after he wrote the First Corinthians. Let me read from Second Corinthians chapter seven, verses one to three. Since we have these promises. What are the promises? The promises that we are God's children. 
the big God up there is our Father. He will take care of us. He will help us. We have a big Father in heaven there. This promises, dear friend, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. He's talking about holiness or purity. He said, let us get rid of all the junk, all the contamination of the world, so that our body, our soul, and our mind will be holy and pure. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. I plan to teach about holiness in the near future. So you're going to have to put more seatbelt on that day. Okay? Holiness out of reverence for God. We need to fear God. We need to honor God. Make room for us in your heart. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one or we have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn you. What he's talking about, he's talking about 1 Corinthians, the first epistle. He said, I say in the first book, not to condemn anybody. I have said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. After you read this scripture, you can see the heart of Paul. Paul cared for the brother and sister in Corinth so much. Paul loved them. Paul wants them to be successful, to be strong, to be effective and fruitful for God. Paul loved them. That's why he wrote the first letter to correct them, to reprove them. Correction is a sign of love. When you love somebody, you don't need to yield to them to the point that you dare not say the truth. When you love and care for somebody, you're willing to take the risk of being rejected for a period of time, walk away from you, you correct them, they get mad, get hurt, they walk away and they dump you. They don't want to be your friend. But because of love, you will not say only what people need to hear or want you to say. Because of love and care, you don't only do what people want you to do for them. But with love, you will do what is the best for them. And that best can be hurtful. <laughs> because you say the truth and they get mad at you. Amen? I remember one time, it was so awkward in my office. When I was a resident at University of Washington for seven and a half years, I did not even see my wife that much. I came home late. I don't have even my own time. I was so terrible. Residency, neurosurgery resident, terrible. I did not have to, time to take care of myself. Then I joined the practice in Kirkland and Bellevue. In the first year, one day, my senior doctor came into my room and closed the door, and he said, Mom, can I say something to you? Oh, something is coming. Some correction coming. And I say, yes, yes, uh, Dr. Pickett Lee. His name is Dr. Pickett Lee. He's retired now. He said that, I believe all through this residency, you don't take care of yourself. I think you need to go to see the dentist. And I know what he means. I say, yes, sir, I will do that. Then I went to see the dentist. I found so many problems in my mouth, in my teeth, and caused so much problem in my life. So you see... He corrected me, and it is painful because he told me the truth that what's wrong with me. But I decided not to reject him. 
I am thankful that somebody bold enough to tell me what's wrong with me. Paul loved the brother and sister in that church enough to write the first and the second epistle to warn them, to correct them, and to reprove them and say, "This is wrong. Repent. Get right with God." So from now on, should I and Pastor Dad do this to you? Come to your face, call you up, text you, repent, <laughs> because I loved you and you feel ah so uncomfortable. <laughs> Amen. Because of love, Paul corrected the brother and sister, even though he faced some negative responses from the brother and sister. Second Corinthians chapter seven verses five to seven, the Bible continues to say. For when we came to into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. Well, I understand very much when I went on mission trip how I felt. But we were harassed at every turn. Some people got mad at him and harassed him and gave him a hard time. Conflicts on the outside, fears within, fear to be rejected, fear to be misunderstood, but. God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, by His coming, but also by the comfort you had given Him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow. Everyone says sorrow. Definitely, when they got that letter of correction, they have deep sorrow. Your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Verses five to seven. What was Paul talking about? Why he's talking about being tired, being harassed, being facing negative thing, and the brother and sister face sorrow and more conflicts and possible discontentment among him and the brother and sister in the church at Corinth. If we want to know, we need to read the first letter, First Corinthians. Chapter five will tell us a story why this happened, and we're going to continue next Sunday. But today, I just want to talk about Second Corinthians, the final outcome. Okay, so let's continue to read verses eight and nine. Even if I cause you sorrow by my letter, the letter of correction and reproof, the letter of saying you are wrong, you need to repent. I do not regret it, though I did regret it. He said, "I regret because I make you sorrow." I see that my letter hurt you. How many people get correction and feel hurt? Oh, I feel that I got that many times, especially at home. <laughs> When I did something wrong, I have a great, great sister in my life who tell me what is wrong in my life. <laughs> But only for a little while. Yet now I am happy. Why he's happy? He said that for a little while I got hurt. You rejected me. You get mad at me. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed. In any way, by us, my dear brothers and sisters, today I would like to talk about godly sorrow. At the beginning, the introduction, we learned that repentance is the way out of perishing and destruction. 
Repentance is a good word, and part of repentance is godly sorrow. There are different kind of sorrow. Sorrow means my feeling is hurt. The believers at Corinth were upset, but Paul did not regret that they get upset. They got hurt inside them. They have sorrow on the inside them because they got correction from the apostle Paul, and that godly sorrow led them to repentance. Amen. Godly sorrow is a part of repentance. Repentance is a big subject. You know, any subject in the Bible, you cannot have one sentence abstract definition. Such as you cannot have one sentence abstract definition of the word faith, the word of fire of God, the word holiness, the word repentance. It's a big subject. Repentance is a big subject. It's the idea of change. It means to turn from something and turn to something. That is repentance. Repentance means to change the mind. And to change the action and the way of life, repentance means transformation. It also means in the Greek language, it means care afterward. What it means? It means you did something, and afterward you look back. Who is wrong? I care. I need to change. That is wrong. Care afterward. It means to regret and compunction. Compunction means. You you know you feel conviction in your heart that you are wrong and you feel sorrow about it. Paul talk about godly sorrow here, feeling bad about the wrong thing that people do. Many times people quote this. This is a wrong teaching. People say our sins have been paid for. Jesus paid for my sin. Is on the cross. Done deal. It's the grace of God. Therefore, when I do wrong, Jesus took it. I don't have to feel sorry about it. It's great. Jesus took it. I keep doing wrong. That is a wrong teaching. Godly sorrow is biblical. When you do something wrong, you need to feel bad about it, and you need to feel sorry about it. To say it's okay, lah. I talk like a. Singaporean people, it's okay, lah, that I did something wrong because Jesus has paid the price for me. That is a wrong idea. Godly sorrow is very important. We need to feel bad about the wrong thing we do in order to get to true repentance. Paul talked about two kind of sorrow here. The first kind of sorrow we call worldly sorrow. There are many kinds of worldly sorrow, such as psychiatric depression. People who live in depression all the time. Some depression can come from demons. Some sorrowful thing come from the feeling of sorrow come from being caught that they do wrong and they feel sorrow. But that's not godly sorrow. That is a worldly sorrow. Some people get depressed because they lack faith. They get upset all the time. They get worried all the time. So they live in depression all the time. They could not sleep. They have to take amitriptyline, trazodone because they have this sorrow. It's a worldly sorrow. 
But Paul talk about godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is a part of repentance. When you sin against God, God never condemns you. Who condemns you? Your own spirit, your own heart will start to bother you. Will start to speak to you. It's wrong. Don't do it. It bothers you. It condemns you. Actually, that conscience or the bad feeling. The bothering feeling in your heart that God put in your spiritual nature here is good for you. Let me compare this way: If you put your hand in the fire, what's going to happen to your hand? Burn, and you will lose your hand. You're going to burn your skin, and you keep going and going. Eventually, it will burn into your body, and you will die. Why did God give you five senses? Pain, touch, visual, smell, and hearing. One of the reasons, not just that you can enjoy the touch and all these things, but it's a preventive mechanism. God gives you senses for prevention. I just told one of my patients on last Friday. He said, "Oh, I hurt my back after you cut on me. Oh, I hurt my back. I could not walk very well." I said, "That's good." That you have pain, so that you will not do too much while you are healing. If you do too much, the disc will rupture again. Your muscle is going to be inflamed. You need to rest, lie in the bed, stay home, take it easy. The pain sometimes is good to warn you not to hurt yourself. The same thing, godly sorrow, the bordering feeling, the feeling of condemnation on the inside. The guilt feeling that not, doesn't come from God, come from yourself, is good to stop you from keep going and going in sin and eventually final destruction. I always talk to Pastor Dad that I don't want to get involved with sin at all because I see the coming destruction. I'm smart enough not to go that direction. I don't want to get involved in adultery, anything, cheating, lying, gossiping, complaining, anything. Because I know sin will lead me to eventually corruption and destruction. So godly sorrow is a good mechanism that we need to have. You feel bad about it, and you stop going that direction. If you never feel sorry about your own sin, you I'm. It means that you are not a repentant Christian. Repentant Christians feel sorrow, have the sorrow in the heart, off and on about what wrong they did. Amen. Okay, let's continue to read from verses 10 to 11 in New King James Version, and I will read also in NIV. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. You keep sinning, it will go to perishing and destruction. But if you repent and turn around, will lead you to salvation. When we talk about word salvation, it doesn't mean just go to heaven. It means salvation from sickness, salvation from poverty, from breaking family, from losing your kids, losing your family, salvation from being destroyed by alcohol. By wrong thing, when you repent and turn around, 
you're going to have salvation from all the calamity and problem in your life. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Again, two kinds of sorrow, worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. For observe this very thing that you sorrow in a godly manner. What diligence, this is the outcome of godly sorrow. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourself. What does it mean, clearing of yourself? NIV say, what eagerness to clear yourselves. It means, okay, you used to get involved with adultery, watching pornography, whatever. You're doing something wrong. You say, now I'm eager. I'm going to get rid of all that website, all that favorite I'm going to say to that woman, I'm not going to see you anymore. I'm going to delete your email, delete your cell phone number. I'm going to be faithful to my wife. Stop now. I'm going to cancel my Facebook if it's caused me to commit adultery. I need to do something to clear it up right now. Clear it up. Everyone say clear it up. If you really have a godly sorrow, you're going to clear it up. What else? What indignation? Indignation means to get angry, angry at sin, angry. You know, this is a holy anger. You have a holy anger against the sin, not the sinner. Holy anger against the consequences of sin, the calamity, the shame, the destruction, the damage and embarrassment of sin that produced in your family or in your life. You say, I'm mad at this. I don't want it anymore. I'm so mad at this damage, at this problem and shame in my life. That is a sorrow. The godly sorrow will bring you to that holy anger. And what else? What fear in the New King James Version? But in the NIV say, what alarm? What alarm? Alarm means... Who? How many people have the alarming machine in your house? When somebody breaks in, the alarm will go to the police station. You have alarm? What does it mean, alarm? It means, I'm in trouble. I need to change right now. I need to call the police. It's the same thing when you have godly sorrow. Who? I'm going the wrong direction. I'm alarmed now. I don't want to go there. I need to do something. I need to run to my pastor, repent, confess my sin, get into the prayer life, get the file of God, touch me. I need to listen to the sermon more. I need to change. I'm alarmed right now. This is bad. I need to turn around as soon as possible. You are alarmed because you have godly sorrow. Okay? What vehement desire? In the NIV say, what longing? What longing? Longing to do the right thing, to do the right thing. And what zeal, the Amplified Bible says, what zeal to do justice to all concerned. Whoever you sin against, whatever damage you do to people, you say, I have godly sorrow, I'm going to stop hurting people. I'm going to stop cheating people. I'm going to do the justice to everyone in my life that concerned with that issue. That is a real repentance. Zeal to do justice to all people concerned in the situation. Vindication. Ready to see justice happen. Ready to see justice done. 
In all things, you prove yourself to be clear in this matter. So after Paul wrote the first Corinthian to the people at the church in Corinth, they really repented, and this is the final outcome. He said, "Because you have godly sorrow, you repented, and now I can see the evidence of the fear of God in your heart, the alarm sensation inside you that you start to clean up your act." You clear your life. You have a longing to be right with God. You are so mad at the sin, mad at what is wrong in the church. We need to change. So that's what Paul tried to say. Before I continue next Sunday, let me read to you what happened in the first letter, and we continue next Sunday. Everyone say godly sorrow. First Corinthians chapter five verse one, and we will continue next Sunday. First Corinthians five one. What Correction did Paul write to the church at Corinth? It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. A man has his father's wife. Paul was talking about adultery in First Corinthians chapter five. A man. Committed adultery with his stepmother. Wow, this is a serious sin in the church. Let me ask this question: Can a Christian sin? Can a Christian sin? Should Christians repent? Should we have godly sorrow when the light of God shines into us and say, "You are wrong. Please repent right now." Should we have that godly sorrow? We should. Should we repent every day? Amen. A few days ago, I wrote a message to somebody saying that if you want to move in revival, if you want to move in the fire of God, you are the target of the enemy to attack you because you are challenging or attacking his territory. By the file of God, and one thing that you need to do to move in revival or the file of God is to live a holy life. You need to repent every day. If you try to cast demon out and you try to move in the fire to set the captive free, but you yourself behind the scene, you're gossiping, you have bad attitude, you don't repent, you don't have godly sorrow. You know what happened? Boomerang. They're gonna attack you. They're gonna get rid of you. The way to protect yourself from the attack of the enemy is to live a life that they, he has no channel to get you to attack you. That is to live a holy life. How are you gonna live a holy life? Repent every day. When you get warned by somebody, hey, don't do that, brother. Repent right away, and don't do it again. You need to live that kind of lifestyle in order to move into the power of God completely. Amen. Repentance is more than just a heart change. When you repent, you see the light of God come upon you. You see the truth, and you say, "I'm a child of God. I need to do the right thing before the eyes of God. I don't want my heart to bother me. I have a godly sorrow. I'm gonna stop right now. I'm gonna turn around, and I will not do that again." There is 
all kinds of false teaching in the world right now. One of them come from Asia. That very popular. If you go to that YouTube, hundred thousand of people listen to this preacher. We call the message of grace, perversion of grace. This message say this way: the payment has been done for you. Jesus died for you. Therefore, you can live a loose and sinful life, no problem. The more you sin, the more grace shall be revealed, because He died for you. That is a wrong message. But on the opposite way, after you repent and you have godly sorrow, you turn around. Don't live in guilt and condemnation, because Jesus has already paid for you. Amen. Jesus has done the job for you already. You don't need to live in guilt anymore. Your sin has been forgiven. Your sin has been washed. Last night, while I was preparing this teaching, the second round, I read the sermon. Suddenly, God showed me this scripture in Mark chapter one, verse fifteen. Mark chapter one, verse fifteen, and God showed me the revelation. Can you show Mark one fifteen? The time has come," he said. "The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the good news. What does it mean? In order to walk into victory, there are two parts here. Jesus did his part. The good news is his part. He died for us. What is our part? Did Jesus preach the message of love and acceptance? Did Jesus preach the message of kindness? No, he preached the message of repentance and the kingdom of God. Brother and sister, even though Jesus died for us, he paid for us the good news, but we have to do our part. What? What is our part? Repent. And believe. He did the, his part. He, the good news is Jesus died for us. He paid the price for us. But what we need to do: repent and believe. Amen. Amen. Repentance is important. You're gonna save your family, save your money, save your health, save your business. Bring salvation to you. Godly sorrow will bring that to you. Let's come back next Sunday to learn more from the First Corinthians chapter five. Today we talk about Second Corinthians chapter seven, the after effect. After he wrote the letter to correct them, and we can see the result: they repented and they have godly sorrow, and that's why they had victory. Next one we're going to learn what happened in the church in Corinth from First Corinthians chapter five, and we learn something. About that church together, Amen. Let's pray, Father. We thank you so much for teaching your church godly sorrow. Lord, we want to do our part to repent, to believe the good news. We want to, Lord, repent every time your Holy Spirit convicts us. Speak to us of something wrong in our life, or sometimes you send a brother or a sister to warn us, to correct us, or maybe come from the preaching 
in the internet, from reading the Bible, whatever way, Lord, that you try to wake us up, to help us to come to our senses that what we are doing is wrong. You give us the gift of repentance. You grant us repentance so that we can come out from preaching, come out from destruction. Lord, we realize from the Bible that sin is a big deal. It will cause damage, cause destruction, corruption, cause us to open the door for demons to come into our family, to bring curses into the third and fourth generations. Oh Lord, we don't want to sin against you. Help us to pursue perfect holiness in this world by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We want to be victorious Christians. We know that sin causes to lose, to be defeated. Therefore, Lord, we're going to repent quickly when your word of warnings and correction come to us, Lord. Help us to be that kind of disciple, Father. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning, if you say, God, I have something in my life that I need to repent. Or maybe you are not a Christian yet and you say, today I repent. I want to be reconciled to God. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to ask you to be bold, to step out to the front and say, God, you die on the cross, not in the secret place. Today, I'm going to admit to you I'm wrong. You don't need to tell me what's wrong. But you come to God and say, I'm serious. I'm eager to repent. I hate sin. I have a holy anger towards sin and shame and damage. I want to fix it. I want to make it right. If you make that decision, please come out here and I will pray with you and for you. Pastor Dark, could you come up here with me? We're going to pray together. If you're those people, come out here. Maybe some sin that you struggle for many years and you cannot get rid of. Some sin that you, you know you should not do. You say, God, I'm sorry. Maybe the sin of loving money more than God. Thank you, Jesus. The sin of unforgiveness, bitterness, the sin of laziness, following the way of the world. Hallelujah. May the presence of God come and cleanse your people. Give them strength and power to walk in holiness, 
to have a godly sorrow. Make a decision to do the right thing in the eyes of God. Maybe the sin of doubt. You doubt God, unbelief, like the children of Israel. Some of you have the sin of short temper, angry, all kinds of sin that God can set you free. Yes, Lord, we want to be right with you, Lord. We want to please you. We have a reverent fear toward you, Lord. Bless you, bless you, Lord Jesus. Please forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness by the blood of Jesus Christ. Repair, restore the broken family, so that the blessing of Abraham will go to the thousand generation. Repair, Lord, the body, heal the sick. You say, Lord, godly sorrow will lead to salvation. Save them, Lord, from any problem in their life. Father, we thank you so much. Why don't you confess right now, quietly, to God? Confess your sin. Ask God for forgiveness. Ask God for forgiveness. Confess the specific sin that you have committed, the wrongdoing, the wrong attitude, the wrong actions. Yes, Lord, forgive your people. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price for them. You have paid the price for them, Lord, and we receive that forgiveness. You took our sin away. You took the guilt and the shame, the punishment, the price, the wages of sin upon your body. We do our part, Lord, this morning. We repent and believe what you did for us on the cross. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! When I lay hand on you, I believe the Holy Spirit will give you strength and grace to be able to overcome that sin. You cannot do it by yourself. You need the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit to give you a new heart, new spirit, new power to give you grace to do the right thing, not your own self, not with your own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power. And the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God. That's why the devil hates the fire, hates the laying on of hand, hates the work of the Holy Spirit, because the devil wants to keep us in sin, 
but God want to sanctify His church to be the pure bride, to be a holy bride of the Lord Jesus. God want to bless you. God want to give you, give you the blessing of Abraham. Not just only your generation, but a thousand generation to come. Let us make decision this morning. I choose life. I choose holiness. I choose the blessing. I don't want sin. I don't want the cursing. I want the blessing. Dad and mom, choose today. You're gonna change the history of your future generation because of your decision today. Your future generation. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, work, purify, empower, give grace, give grace, give grace, Lord, cleanse them, bless them, yeah, bless them, Lord, fire. Touch them, yes, Lord. Dora paski taraba, umba shikatara kaski tariyalaba, shora kaski tariyalaba, shoka thalaki taraba, shokunda lapa kaski taraba. Repent, repent, repent of your wrong attitude. Repent of your action. Repent. Care afterward, compunction. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Repent. Fire. Fire. Repent. Repent of your sin. <laughs> Repent. Fire. Yes, Lord. May the truth of God, may the Holy Spirit shine the light. Help us to see what's wrong in us. So that we can change, so that we can have a godly sorrow of what's wrong, and repent of our sin. Father, thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, <laughs> Holy Spirit, empower your people. Empower your people. Make them holy. Make them like Christ, without sin. Purify them. Purify them, Father. May the fire of God touch them, change them. Fire! 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 Yes, Lord. All the chaff have to go in the name of Jesus. All the chains, all the jokes, all the bondage, go in the name 
of Jesus. Holy Spirit, any chain, any bondage in your life must be destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Fire! Fire! Yes, Lord. Fire! With fire, fire, glorious moon. fire, Holy fire, fire, Flood this fire, yes, Lord, fire, never be the same. Become a new man in Christ Jesus. May the hand of God move. In your life, <laughs> fire, <laughs> fire, more fire, more fire. Thank you, Jesus. Bless this family, Father. Give them a new heart, a pure heart. Clean hand, bless his family, bless his marriage, bless that children. Yes, Father, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Fire! Fire! Thank you, Jesus. May you save the whole family, her son and daughter. May the blessing of Abraham come upon her and go to the thousand generations, family salvation, household salvation. Oro re kaskuro papa kaskita lapa, shukuro kuturiya lapa kaskita riya lapa ba, shuro kuturikisiya lakuturiya lapa ba. Give them power to be able to say no to sin. But say yes to God. Say no to darkness. Say yes to the light. Say no to the evil one, and say yes to the holy one. Yes, Lord, power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, power. Fire, holiness, holiness, fire, fire. Yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Fire, fire. Yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> fire. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill her with the Holy Spirit, fire. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Filled with the Holy Spirit. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com.